Good morning, good day, whatever uh, time it is in your world, you have found me, so I thank you for that. This is uh, For the Win. I'm Eric Winalda coming to you from the Blue Wire Studios here in the wonderful Win Hotel Casino. Uh, gray day out here. Gray day uh, for anybody who happens to be a U.S. soccer fan. And today, I, I'm just going to go through it. And, th- and this is... This is where I, I guess the beauty of the show is I no longer work for a network. I no longer have to adhere to their rules and I don't have to go in a production meeting where somebody tells me what I can and cannot say. So that's the beauty of the show. It's the beauty of podcasts, even though it's evergreen. Um, I'm living in the moment right now and the moment is pretty bad. The United States uh, lost to Canada yesterday in uh, the World Cup qualifier 2-0. It's usually been, um, in the past, it's been, not points that you counted on, but certainly in my day, um, I think it was in, in our qualification matches, it was 3-0, 3-0. Uh, and that was still with a team that, that had plenty of guys playing in England, playing in Europe, scattered all over the world. But they've, before we get into the, the problems of the United States uh, national team and our federation and everything that, that we are experiencing, let's, let's take our hat off for a second for John Herdman and... Uh, Canada. You remember John Herbin was the coach of the women's national team in their World Cup efforts in Canada. And he certainly has, um, has uh, catapulted himself into a, a brand new position as a uh, head coach of the men's team. And he's really put together quite an outfit up there. I don't know if, you, if anybody knows this, how tall this guy is. I walked past him in an elevator once. He, he did not come up to my shoulder. And I'm not, I'm not exaggerating. He must be like five foot three. I mean, have to look it up. I, I, he's, he's, a, he's not a big man, uh, but he's standing tall today because uh, Canada is now in first place. Uh, and let me run it down for you. Canada has now accumulated 22 points. And if you go through their last five, and, and anytime you look this stuff up on a computer, there's always the green check mark or the red X. And that's usually how you um, define how your team is doing. Honduras, for example, has five straight red X's. Not good. But Canada, Green check mark across the board. Last five. Five wins in a row. They were a team impossible to beat, and they were drawing every, almost every, every match, but now they've really figured it out. And it's something else. It really is. Our neighbors to the north have gotten their act together as we continue to uh, sputter through this process. Now, there's a couple of, of different directions we could go today as far as how we address what has happened. Uh, all of the, the speculation of... of why we did things the way we did, why we chose to go to Columbus, because it was a short trip to, to, uh, to Hamilton and, and to go up there and, and stay in cold weather as if we need that. We need this cold weather to be some sort of advantage that ends up being a massive disadvantage for our guys. We sputtered through that game against El Salvador. Hugo Perez and his gang uh, put together a great effort. Uh, but if you are paying attention, the last time we were in this spot, our team was failing to score was essentially before we played against Honduras. And here we are again. Honduras is our next opponent. Instead of playing them in a, in a stadium or a venue that would be favorable, we've chosen Minnesota. No offense to you, St. Paul, Twin Cities. I, I'll tell you, it, I don't get it. I don't get it. I don't, know, I don't understand why we have to do things this way. I didn't, I'm not in charge of their itinerary, clearly. But in all of these efforts to, to make it easier on our players, 
to cater to them. And I was looking up flights from Minnesota back to London, for example. It's actually shorter if you fly out of Miami. But just, you know, just doing the... You shouldn't be worried about the, the close proximity that you are to the next game as, as much as you should be worried about how long it takes to get these boys back to their clubs. You want to deliver these guys back in good health and get them back there as quickly as possible. Instead, we chose to play in, the, in, in freezing conditions. We don't have that choice when it comes to Canada. But given the choice to play two out of the three in decent weather, we chose not to do that. We squeak through on the game against El Salvador. And going back to that thought against the last time we were in this boat, we were losing one nothing at halftime to Honduras. And we managed to score four goals in the second half. And some unlikely characters were our heroes, meaning Pepe and Sebastian Lejet. Aronson. And, and the reality is, in the last 15 games, we've only managed to score more than three goals once. We've only managed to score more than two once. And that was against Honduras in the second half when we threw caution to the wind and said, my job's on the line, Greg Berhalter. I'm just going to throw the kitchen sink at him, create some chaos in front of their net. Pepe gets two. And a star is born. Pepe for, you know, really has not started in the last two games. And I guess, I guess all of the anticipation is that he will save the day again uh, against Honduras. But uh, look, Canada is sitting on top of the table with 22 points. The United States with 18, Mexico with 18, with their tie against Costa Rica, which is a reminder that Costa Rica is not a pleasant trip. And this, the way this is laying out now, the United States needs to start worrying. Panama, as for the most part, I would say they've gotten most of their troublesome games out of the way. We have not. We still have to go to Azteca and to Costa Rica. Uh, and, and under no stretch of the imagination are those going to be games that we can count on anything. We get a tie out of Mexico. Everything that's going on, we're going into the cauldron there. That is going to be a loss. And I don't think we've ever really had a great trip down in Costa Rica. It was the end of Jurgen Klinsmann's demise, for, for, you know, for that matter. Well, for whatever reason, we go down there, we don't play well. Costa Rica's sitting in fifth, and they need the points. I'm looking at the schedule saying to myself, all right, we got two more home games left. And I can't see us getting more than six points out of these last four games. And I guess the big question is, is that enough? It should be. But I would not be surprised at all in these last four games if we end with two losses, a tie, and a win. That's four points. And if Panama gets their act together, we could be looking at a playing game. Because Mexico stumbled a bit with Costa Rica, but everybody does that. So this is getting tricky. Uh, I will say this, and, and going back to my opening thought, that I am not uh, expected in any way, shape, or form to stick to the narrative, which 
just kind of funny. You get on Twitter and, you, and you, all these people are freaking out. And the things that they freak out about are, are, are fairly funny. And I, I tweeted out this morning, what's most interesting about our U.S. qualification process is the Federation has spent all this time, effort, and money to make it easy on our guys. Canada just flew in from Honduras, from Central America, on one day's rest and kicked our ass. I mean, emphatically. Now, possession is great. You know, it's, 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 it's wonderful. And, and what we, as uh, most Americans and soccer people, did not appreciate is in the press conference, Greg Berhalter, our coach, decided to tell us that the result was disappointing, but the performance was not. And that, that, that is going to scratch up a scab that, that you didn't want. It would have been much better to say, we got beat. I got outcoached. We got to get our act together. But as long as we continue to pat these kids on the back, and they are kids, by the way, and make them think that everything is okay and it's going to be okay. We're dealing with a different animal now. You know, I have my set of guys that I talk to. In fact, I talked to Jesse Marsh for about half an hour this morning. He called me. He was on a train in Germany. And we had a, a, a nice chat in. And no, I can't reveal what our conversation was about. But you can imagine, um, and I'll let your imagination go wild, but I'm not going to tell you what he said. And I won't even go venture to go in what direction, negative or positive, because that's unfair to Jesse. But it was an interesting conversation, to say the least. We, we talked about a whole bunch of things. We have kids, so that's, that's usually what we talk about. But when we go into the soccer world, it's, uh, these conversations are getting more and more complex. And, and here's the thing. And I, I'll go back to Something that, that struck me in all this process is when I'm watching this team and I'm wondering if Greg Berhalter has lost the group. And sometimes this happens. This is not a shot at, at Greg or his managerial skills. But in some of these circumstances, it's difficult to keep the team on board. And there's a lot of unhappy, disgruntled players in this group right now. There just are. Because selection is everything. There's nothing worse than feeling like you've earned a shot and you think that you're ready to play and you can help this team. Or maybe you're still sitting on your couch watching this thing live, streaming it live, because I mean, that's the best news in all of this, that nobody saw it. We played against Canada and it was on Paramount Plus and uh, the Chiefs were losing to uh, Cincinnati. So I, I don't know who was watching this thing. You certainly couldn't watch it on a network. Maybe John Brooks and uh, Scully were, were, were second-guessing, well, man, I don't want to go back now. I hope they don't feel that way because we need them in March. The end result, injuries to integral players and uh, some people that are going to be getting on a plane in a couple of days going home or back to their clubs for that matter. And they're not going to be able to play for a while. By the time they get healthy again, it'll be an uh, international window. Clubs don't like that. 
And now it, it puts your, you put yourself in a bad spot because you've chosen to play in poor weather. And you knew you had to play in some, some god-awful weather yesterday in, in Canada, something that they were used to. We won the game against El Salvador, got on a plane and got there as quickly as we as possibly could to, to maximize the recovery time. But I don't know. I don't know. This, in this day and age, players are just different. And we use that word entitled a lot. And it's, it's something that is starting to rear its ugly head because some of these guys, and I know I remember when Klinsman was the coach, we would criticize the Fabian Johnsons of the world because they weren't American. People would actually say that out loud. Abby Wombat got herself in a lot of trouble for saying that these guys aren't even American and that don't go there. These are Americans who were born somewhere else, whose parents, in fact, are fighting, or at least representing our military, so that we can have the rights that we have. So let's let's be careful when we we in what's American and what's not, Abby. But we look at the the team now and the complexity of the team and where these guys are coming from, where they're playing. Uh, it's not. It's never going to be an easy group to really get your arms around. But I am concerned that the messaging and the monotony of 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 a system that clearly is not working. I just laid it out there for you. We haven't scored more than two goals in fifteen games against opponents that we should be beating. And the only time we were able to score four was desperation. It's not a good sign. It's not a good sign in the qualification process. We've played 10 games in the qualification process and we've won half of them. And we're a little bit all over the place. But when you lose to Canada, regardless of their form, people are going to question whether this is working. And the fact that it's, it's a truncated schedule, if you will, if we're going to have to, a World Cup a lot sooner than we usually do, that we don't have a lot of time to fix this. This is the first time in the history of Major League Soccer that the World Cup schedule actually fits with ours. And a lot of people who are screaming at the rain right now saying, well, why are we involving all of these players from... Major League Soccer, there's clearly better players that are in better form and blah, blah, blah. And then there's the conspiracy theory that there's a quota that, that Greg has to, to fill. That's not what's happening. Let's just say it. Greg, Greg Berhalter is making poor decisions about his selections. And he's having a difficult time man-managing the John Brookses of the world. Yeah, you can read the article, the Build article, and, and Derek Ray commented on this. I'm going to get Derek on the show in the next couple of weeks, next couple of days, actually. I, I, th- I could see that, you know, look, is this the first soccer player that is enduring a little bit of scrutiny and, and has a scathing article written about him? No, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, it's just grow up a little bit. There's a lot of pressure that goes along with being a professional soccer player, a professional athlete in, at all. 
But the bigger question is, are these the right selections? Is this team responding to the messaging? And my answer to that is no. For the first time, I, I, and I've said this time and time again on this, uh, on this program that I, I believe that it's difficult to build a culture in the middle of a pandemic. And I, and I applauded the effort and I applauded the, the, the results. And I listened to the people who were complaining about the way we were getting results, how we were outplayed and we won. The criticisms of Greg Berhalter back to his first job in Sweden, that he was not offensive enough. And his system wasn't conducive to being entertaining at all. I remember his first interview in Columbus. And look, I know the circumstances of how he got the job in Columbus. And I'm not going to share that. I still want my phone to blow up all month. But I, I know how he got the job. He knows that I know how he got the job. But what was more interesting to me was that first that first uh, press conference where he was introduced as the head coach of Columbus. And it was the most awkward press conference I've ever seen. It was, it was really weird. I remember like one of the first journalists who had a question, Greg's response was, hello, Stacy, nice to meet you. And then he answered the question and I thought, wow, what was that? Problem is, is they went through five or six people, Bob and Doug and all these other, and on each occasion, it was, hello, nice to meet you. It was almost, it was bizarre. Go back and watch it if you can find it. The weird part was, is Stacy asked another question after six other questions, and he goes, hello, Stacy, nice to meet you. Stacy was like, hey, we've already met. So when it comes to the media side. I, 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 always, I, I always knew that this was going to be a struggle for Greg. It's just not his forte. And what kind of a leader he is in, in those back rooms and, and how he talks to people. I know Greg. I've, I've shared a beer with him. I've talked to him a bunch of times. I knew him as a player. His personality is a little mundane. He's a good guy. He can, he can have a laugh with you. But at some point in all of this, and I think that might be because of the scrutiny, everything got serious and he took his seriousness to a whole new level. And when you do that in front of your team, sometimes your team feels it. They feel that energy. And when that happens, it becomes very difficult to play freely. It's very difficult to, to get results. I mean, I used to watch, you know, and, and look, let's, let's face it. There's, there's a couple of places that Greg Berhalter has, as a coach, has now had his influence on as, as the head coach of the national team. He starts getting his crew of people and his coaches, which is normal. This happened with Bruce. This happened with Bob. This happened with Jurgen. You start seeing his guys scattered all across Major League Soccer because that makes sense. The national team coach wants coaches 
that he can talk to about preparing players to come into the national team setup. There's a couple of them who they have really strong relationships with. Chicago Fire, for example, with Wiki. I mean, look, it, it, it should, shouldn't be such a surprise that he was a youth team coach with the Federation, and then he ends up at the Chicago Fire. And it shouldn't surprise anybody that a team that's underperformed as much as FC Dallas has is now selling the idea that they are streaming talent to Europe. But those connections are very strong. So when someone fails in Major League Soccer, like Luchi Gonzalez, he's immediately rewarded by the Federation by Greg Berhalter. In essence, the mediocrity continues. Instead of, instead of really rewarding people who have had success, which is the way it should be, there's just an inner network of coaches who work with each other. Look at the people that were just hired in Houston. And, and then you do, your, do the math and figure out where those people came from and who they've worked with. And they're just, you do it. I'm not going to reveal it. And then you understand. You understand how intertwined everything is. And it really is, at times, not conducive to success. It's more conducive to control. And there's a network of control happening right now. The hard part is, is when, when it all goes haywire. When the mechanisms that were sold and this idea that this is the way it's going to be stop working and teams start failing. And our team, our national team, is failing. Some of the performances and some of the, the idea and the narrative that, you know, we got guys playing at Man City and, and Barcelona. No, we don't. Zach Steffen only plays in Open Cup games. I mean, or uh, Cup games. He doesn't, He's not, a, he's not a starter over there. We have American ownership and European teams engaging with, with the, the buying and selling of our players, which is great. You don't need to get into it, but I mean, figure it out. Turner's going to Arsenal. Who owns Arsenal? Stan Kroenke. Okay. It, you know, it's not a conspiracy theory. It's just the way things work. Ricardo Pepe is not worth $20 million. Watching him play in the Bundesliga has been painful. And watching him play yesterday was sad. That's not fair to the kid. It's just not. And this growing narrative that we are a world soccer power, um, regardless of what those FIFA rankings say, is, uh, is also very questionable. We can't beat Canada. Twice. We beat Mexico, but Mexico's going through their own spill. And the real people that we need to beat, 
Costa Rica, El Salvador, Jamaica, and Honduras, outside of one game, we can't figure out a way to score more than one goal. So that should be troublesome. And now that, that this system which has been implemented, numerous clubs who are having the same effect, and now with our national team, you have to ask the question, is it working? And the answer is clearly, no, it's not. Now, will something get done? Will, 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 I mean, is it, is it time to make a change? Is Greg Berhalter's time up? I don't know. The people that make that decision uh, are, are Brian McBride and Ernie Stewart. Ernie Stewart is a great teammate. Known him for years. Never got along with him at all. Brian McBride, the same. We're just nowhere near friends. And I understand how those guys work. I know what they do and I know how they do it. And does that mean that, that they're going to be the guys to find the answer? There's a different playbook that they're playing from. So, and when you make a decision over there in Chicago, there's a whole hit list of questions you have to ask and who it's going to affect. Instead of making the right decision, which is, you know, to quote Arsene Wenger, making a difficult decision is never difficult if it's in the best interest of the team. That's not what they ask. Are we making a decision that's in the best interest of our interests? When you do that, when you have that kind of agenda, yeah, it's just a spinning table. And you're spinning everything that they throw at you. And to be honest, a lot of you out there, that you believe it. You believe that Sergio Des is world-class. I got news for you. They ran out of money, hired a Dutch coach, who got somebody who he could talk to. Sorry, folks. That's what just happened. The bigger issue might be the, the, the tactics here um, and how we have constantly been the most predictable team in CONCACAF. I mean, El Salvador knows exactly what we're going to do before we're going to do it. I mean, Jamaica... Tactically, they're always going to have, you know, their struggles. They have some. They have a lot of personalities over there. So sometimes they'll they'll be an easier opponent, if you will. They've only managed to win one out of ten. Honduras got thrown off by our. Let's throw some people forward and see what happens. Because Honduras is, is to a certain extent, has always been a thorn in our side. Costa Rica will be when we go back down there. But our tactics, it's the same game every time. It hasn't changed for two and a half years. It's the same game. And everybody knows what we're going to do. And until Greg Berhalter proves that he has the ability to turn a game on its head, outside of just saying, screw it, let's throw everybody forward, I can't, I can't condone it. I know that in, the, in, the, in this world of, of coaching, and I said, this, uh, I said this in a tweet yesterday, it's, it doesn't matter where you play, it matters how you play. 
And I was referring to the guys like Sergio Dest and, and Christian Pulisic. Will I protect Pulisic to a certain extent? Yes. I think that uh, our tactics and our setup have been uh, dangerous is the right word. Dangerous. Go back to Honduras. Do you remember what happened to him? He was completely unprotected. And every time he got the ball, if he didn't, ha- if he didn't explode out of that first three yards, he was getting whacked. He was getting hit hard. He's already a little bit banged up, so this is going to be a tricky one. But he did not have a good game against Canada, and he was god-awful against El Salvador. People are like, how is that possible? How is it possible for a guy that could play at Chelsea Football Club for 80 some million dollars? Can't figure out a way to wiggle out of a situation against San Salvador or El Salvador. I don't know. You run into a, a pretty good coach like Hugo Perez who gets those guys fired up and has a pretty good tactical plan. Say, this guy's good. This is what we're going to do. Let's not let him get the ball. And your coach says, no, it'll work out. We're going to play the way we always play. Just save the day, superstar. Doesn't work. Doesn't work. I hate that I'm so negative. I hate this. I hate feeling this way. And I've felt this way before, but I had to put on a face and some makeup and a suit and tell the American people that I thought the U.S. was going to be fine. I don't think we're going to be fine right now. I don't. Now, Honduras is the one team that there will be a bounce back. There will be a bounce back. I think it was two podcasts ago. I I mentioned to a friend, I think I brought the story up at least, because we were talking about wagering. And I don't don't get into that. I'm I'm not a gambler. I don't gamble on, on soccer games. I don't. I don't do that. Man, I should. I guess I could finally, but I, I guess I should because somebody asked me if I was going to put a wager on, on any of this, what would you do? And I said, well, I think the U.S. is going to score fewer goals than games played. And, and I, I said that to a few people and they said, oh, come on. Honduras, El Salvador, Canada, come on. We'll score. And the way that we play and the way that I, I, I know Hugo Perez, I, I, we played together. He's, he's a beautiful man. He really is. And I, I, I respect the hell out of him. But I knew that he knows what he's doing. And if you think about that first game out of the shoe, we were 0-0. And then we had Canada. We were 1-1. We only had two points in our first two games. We're in the same spot again with the same opponent in front of us. But this time, We'll play him on American soil. But we might as well have played them in Alaska because it's going to be a mess. I would love to play Honduras in a real field with real weather right now. Sorry, I'm not trying to pick on you, Minnesota, but this is nobody, nobody plays a game in February. I mean, in Minnesota, I mean, you guys are still locked up. You don't come out of your houses until April. I have friends in Minnesota. They admitted that. Even they don't want to go to the game. By the way, look at look in the stands. Look up. I mean, how is it possible that a World Cup qualifier has that, that much meaning against El Salvador 
And it wasn't even, it wasn't even sold out. I, I think it was like 25,000 people is the most you could fit in that thing. But if, when, if you watch or stop the game in certain camera angles, you'd see a bunch of empty seats. And I don't blame those people. I want to watch this thing at home, at home myself. We had to cover the Toronto-Seattle MLS Cup from Toronto. And I still don't think I have the feeling back in my pinky toe. It's miserable. Play soccer in that? Especially with this much at stake? Why is it that in a country that prides itself at being the best almost at everything, we call it the World Series? It's not the World Series, but we call it that and everybody accepts it. Last time we did one of those world deals, I think Japan, South Korea, and the Dominican Republic beat us. That's not the point. Why in a country with the resources that we have do we make such a horrible decision as to where we're going to play this game? That we have the resources. We have a good team. What does it say to your team that, hey, guys, we're going to play this one in the snow because we don't think you can beat Honduras in decent weather? What? What does that mean? So we, everybody has to be miserable just because we have to win this game? Player for player, put them on the field and let them play in decent weather and figure out how that's closer to their final destination, which will be Europe when they go home. So maybe California doesn't work out, but the East Coast, somewhere warm, might have been a good idea. So if eight-hour... 20-minute flight from Minnesota, and it's an eight-hour flight from Miami back to London. But if you look it up, if you go, hey, Siri, you know what's funny is they'll say, it'll take about 14 hours to get home. Because usually you got to bounce through Detroit or something. Minneapolis is a big, big airport, but most of the time you got to bounce through New York or something to get back to London. There's not a lot of direct flights. Not a lot of people from London want to go to Minnesota. All that, all those resources, we overcomplicated it, we overthought it, we tried to make it easy, and in essence, we made it impossible. And now our guys are hurt, and we're not going to be the team that we should have been against Honduras. And we're not going to be able to play the way that we could have played against Honduras. And this is going to be a tough one. All right, so that game uh, clearly is it in a couple days. Um, you know, I I, I do, I, I think what's interesting about about Canada. I mean, Canada. They flew in from Central America after the game, had a, a day's travel, only had one day's rest, and then played the game and kicked our ass. But we had to make sure that we were you know an hour long flight on a chartered plane, and everybody was able to. Uh, get there quicker, an hour away, as opposed to, what, a three and a half hour flight? I actually, I, I, I am not a doctor. I am not a doctor. But I actually asked some questions. I said, what's the big advantage there? Outside of time, nothing. Why is that? Well, when, the, when your body goes up and comes down, there is a decompression, you know, there, there's some swelling. And if, if you're directly out of 
competition, minimizing that time is, is, could be wise, but going up and down is actually more of a shock to the system than actually relaxing for three hours. So I thought that was interesting. I talk to doctors a lot these days. Those of you who do know, uh, I did test positive for, for um, COVID last week, and uh, I am completely recovered. Glad to say that. <clears throat> did have one day, still have that lingering little itch in the back of my throat, but it's nothing. Um, we made sure that uh, I could not coach my team yesterday because it wasn't enough days removed from a negative test. However, uh, my team won 6-2 to two in their state cup. Got to watch that from behind the fences. But I was good to go today. So part of me was, man, I hope I was hoping that little line would show up. So then, then that would mean that, that uh, I didn't have to talk about this. I get no joy out of this whatsoever. I am not somebody who throws rocks at the machine. I know a lot of people out there will love to think that I'm doing the big F you to the, no, I'm just being honest. I'm being honest. And, and, and as this country continues on its own journey, we have to stop buying into this idea that we are progressing as a soccer nation. We are still right where we were 10, 20 years ago as far as the talent level. And we are made aware of this every time we produce a player and send him over. And then that acclimation period takes longer than it should because the environments here aren't good enough. That's, like a, that's, 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 the, that's a fact. I, I, I'm not trying to be this bearer of bad news, but you can't, you can't even come close to comparing what it's like to walk into training at Augsburg and training at FC Dallas. You can't. You, you, you don't understand it until you get a bunch of fans who are just showing up at Frisco. They want, they want a picture with your kid. I want to pat you on the back and tell you how great you are. And then you go to Augsburg and you're in the middle of a relegation battle. That same dad shows up with the kid and says, there he is. There's the, there's the reason why we're going down. Yeah, you better get it right this weekend, kid. The good news is, is he's screaming that out in German so Pepe doesn't understand him. It's a whole new set of rules and a whole new ballgame. So I'm worried. I am officially worried. I was worried after December 18th when I watched the United States struggle with uh, Bosnia, uh, Herzegovina, because that, uh, that was a game where it was really clear that it, we had the opportunity to work on some stuff. We didn't do it. And we, you know, square peg in a round hole. We're trying to push it in there and it, and it, and it wasn't good. Nobody looked good in that game. And they, these entitled little brats just walk right past the fans, pretend like... Uh, they didn't exist. I thought it was a COVID restriction, but turns out, yep, yeah, they just don't really care about people that care about them. And it, it made me mad. It's the reason why Greg Berhalter won't call me back because <laughs> I said something about it. Wow. All right. Well, let's, let's get into the meat of this. I mean, we do have some, you know, we, you, Adams and uh, it's like Richards are, are going to have some issues. We had, uh, if you look at the lineup against Canada, and you go through it, and, and let's see, just really quickly, let's go through the stats. 
you know, because this is what this is the the problem is, as Greg said, you know, the, the result was bad, but their the performance was fantastic. And that's because this is what a, the majority of people look at. And this this becomes uh, more has become more and more of an issue. We had more shots than they did. 13. We had three on target. Is that good enough? Not really. We completed or made 550 passes with an accuracy of almost 80% to Canada's 312, 67%. What that says to me is they sat back, they waited for the, the weaknesses to exploit themselves, and then they, they took advantage. The possession was 36 to 64. United States having the lion's share of the ball. We also fouled more. We were only offsides once, and we had more corners than they did. Kennard had eight shots, four of them, half of them on target. Two of them going in. It's not a bad return. I watched the uh, the CBS guys, you know, blast our, our defensive unit as you know off a goal kick. They were able to uh, win the knockdowns three times in a row, and then a simple one-two gets them in. It's actually pretty good soccer, Gooch. It was. It really was. And you were supposed to mark color on that near post when Miba played against the Czechs, so it's careful. Careful in your criticism there. It was a good goal. It was quick play. The ball that the last pass went through someone's legs. It wasn't like it wasn't covered. It was just quick soccer, and Laren puts it away. But it, give him some credit. The rest of the game, it was just a fight. And some, you know, when you get in fights, it, it, and it's three degrees out there, and of course you don't want to get hit. And you got to muster it up. And they certainly did that. I can't beat him up for a, a, a goalkeeper who, who didn't get enough on a goal kick that is, is won by one of them who, who just inadvertently hits it to another guy on their team who just has a flick pass that goes to Laren that does a one-two and gets the ball back and, and exploits our defense. It was bang, bang, bang. By the way, it's a good goal. It's so easy to, to to try and be analytical about it and say, "Well, this is this is unacceptable." It was a good goal. Canada's a good team. Can somebody admit that out loud? Canada, right now, as a national team, not as a soccer nation, is better than us. Why is that so hard? for you to believe. Most of the guys that I talked to yesterday, there's a couple of them made a really good point. Because we talk about, well, when we were playing, I mean, Canada was a different... And one of our guys, I'm not going to say who, said, they, they were us. Canada was the U.S. They were a bunch of guys who play in MLS or had played in MLS who have something to prove, have a bunch of people telling them that they're not that good. Playing against a bunch of very wealthy 
American guys who are in better destinations than they are. And you come out there and you try to play against Canada and you prance around and say, well, I play for a big club. And the Canadians said, well, not today you don't. You're playing against us. It was like, it was like watching some rich kid get told that he's got to get on a Winnebago for three days and go camping. And then he had to eat at a campfire. And he's like, where's my fork? Where's, where's, my, where's dinner? That's what we look like. We look like a bunch of spoiled brats that didn't realize that there was a game to play. For the next 90 minutes, nobody cared what it looked like. Nobody cared about how long you got to hold on to the ball for 64% of the time. They cared about what they did when they had the ball. And they made the most of it. They made it hard on us when they got close to us. 64%, you know, passing the ball back and forth between your center backs doesn't impress anybody. Giving the ball to Christian Pulisic and saying, dribble everybody, buddy. You got it? Go. Come on, hero. Doesn't work. Honduras is our next opponent. Uh, that is pretty much it for me today. I'm, I'm tired of being uh, angry. I am angry, I'm frustrated, and uh, that was difficult to watch. Honduras, hopefully, is the bounce back. Of course, I care, and of course, that's what I'm rooting for. But I'm not getting my hopes up. In the meantime, try to stay positive out there. I know I've been a, a negative part of your day. Thank you for uh, listening in, wherever you did find me, on uh, Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Uh, back to the grind. The game will be in a couple of days. Let's hope it's better than the last one. We'll hear you next time.